Mmm, oh, 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 baguettes. Oh, baguettes and uh, fromage, which is cheese in French. How knowledgeable are we? This is the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And we bring you the formula to discover travel freedom. Step one, every Thursday, we'll show you how to travel the world in style, full time, for as little as $300 per person per month. Step two, every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. This is Travel Thursdays, episode 009. Our feature destination today is Paris. On today's episode, Laurie from the Paris blog tells us about her obsession with Paris and all the best food and fun experiences for $5. She also tells us about some of the stranger traditions in Paris today. You can get unmarried. So there's a ceremony where the mayor of the 18th arrondissement will unmarry you. So getting unmarried is significantly cheaper than getting a divorce? Is this what we're talking about? Also, Laurie shares with us her favorite places to go in Paris for the most outrageous people watching in Europe. Bring a lunch and sit around and watch people in the most outrageous outfits parading around. You know, women on six-inch heels trying to walk on that gravelly dirt. Hola, greetings, everybody. Hola, from Portugal. From Portugal. Although today we're actually talking about France because that's where we were a few months ago. And so this whole episode's going to be about Paris later on. But right now, we actually specifically want to talk about food because obviously Paris is supposedly the land of food. Yay, I love food. But in Paris, it's really bloody expensive to go out and eat. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, so that could be a bit of a problem. So we've figured out food has definitely been one of our major expenses over the last two years. Because we love it so much. Yeah, because we love it. So we always have to try and eat the local things. And we've actually spent almost one-fifth of our entire budget for the last two years just on food. But it's because we love eating out and we love being part of local life and trying the local food. And unlike accommodation, which we often get for free, you don't often get food for free. No, although we've managed to blag ourselves a few meals along the way by doing couch surfing and house sitting and people have fed us. We generally have to pay for our food. So today, we're going to give you our three top tips for experiencing local cuisine without the price tag. Number one, street food is your friend. That's right. Now, street food obviously is something I think most travelers just associate with Asia. And sure, if you're in Asia, it's freaking awesome and super cheap because you can easily get a meal in somewhere like Thailand for $2 or less. And it's really, really fucking tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of people seem daunted by the idea. Yeah, I know there's bad stories about people getting sick. But honestly, in 14 months of us traveling around Asia, we only got noticeably sick a couple of times. And both of those times were actually in Cambodia. Because the water there is not fantastic. Yeah, it was really the water, not the food. And that's something you've got to remember. Yeah. We've got an entire article on tips for eating street food, which we'll put in the show notes. Or you can just jump on our website and do tips for eating street food. It'll be on there. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about specifically today. Because you can get street food in every country pretty much. So it's not just about going to Asia and eating cheap. You can eat cheaper if you eat street food in Europe as well. So, for example, you could go to street food market in London like we did. And although you're paying almost sort of 9 or $10 for a meal, compared to a restaurant where you're going to be paying twice that amount, it's actually very affordable. And also, in India, we were there for two and a half months. We were eating 50-cent portions of street curry. And I didn't have to go for the Imodium once. No, we were absolutely fine. There's nothing to say that you will or you won't get sick. It can happen anywhere. Yeah, I got sick in France, spending almost 20 bucks on a meal in France. And yeah, I was sick as a dog the following day. I was in bed and shitting myself. Yeah, you just never know. Let me correct that. I didn't shit the bed. I was in bed (laughs) and then 
I, I separately, did shit a bit separately elsewhere. in the toilet. Okay, glad that we got to discuss that. I just that. don't want people to think that I'm an incontinent old bastard. Fair enough. But no matter where you are in the world, you can never 100% be certain that the food is not going to give you the poopies. Yeah, exactly. Or the bonbons. And of course, if you did get horrifically sick, which although unlikely is something you probably want to avoid, and you probably want to avoid the medical bills as well, even if you're in France, where it can happen, as it did to me. Good idea to grab some insurance. Yeah, World Nomads is the one we recommend all the time, as you probably know, and we've still got a 5% discount code for those guys, WN5DP. You can just go to 5dollarplant.com slash worldnomads and hop over there and pick up your insurance before you travel or after you've left. This is the one benefit of World Nomads compared to a lot of other insurance companies, because they understand we travel all the time. Then you can get it once you've left already, you that's can start so your convenient. policy halfway through your trip. Yeah. If you're traveling already and you're like, eh, I'm going to a country that's pretty dodgy or I'm going scuba diving and it's like pretty serious sports, well, I should really get some proper insurance. Oh, but I can't. But you can with World Nomads because you can get it from anywhere. You don't have to go home to get it. As good, as fantastic as World Nomads are, um, can we talk about food again? Yes. Let's continue our three tips for eating local cuisine without the price tag. Number two, local markets and cooking for yourself is the shit. Yeah. It won't give you the shits. It won't give Hopefully. you the shits. If you're a good cook. Are you a good cook? That might be a problem. I do all right, I hope. Tom is a good cook, actually. But, you know, it's not just about eating out all the time. There are, you know, so many wonderful international recipes that are available. Back home, the ingredients you need to cook them are hard to find and expensive. Going to the source, you get the best ingredients at the lowest price. So although, as we were saying about street food before, if you're in Asia or something, you're probably going to stick to street food. What's the point in even cooking? Might as well eat it. Yeah, because it's so unbelievably cheap. But if you're traveling somewhere else, like Australia, the US, and Europe, then it makes it's a lot of expensive. sense. It's too, it's too expensive to go out for a $20 meal every night. That's going to add up so crazy fast. It's also like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. you got to remember breakfast and shit like that as well. You don't just want to live off toast, do you? No. Like, you could. But after a few months, you're going to get to that point where you're like, I can't just eat toast for breakfast every day. I have Me to eat something for lunch. else. <laughs> yeah. Can't just live off pot noodle cup of noodles for the entire time. But learning to cook the local cuisine can be fun and it also is a great way to experience the local fresh produce that's available all around you. Yeah, it's awesome and something we've done quite a few times now is once we've met someone local, which we obviously go out of our way to try and do and you should do as well because it's cool. There's lots of different ways to do that and we'll be talking about making local friends in a future episode. You can easily get them to show you how they cook one of their favourite dishes, something that's really, really traditional perhaps. Just get invited around to their house. You can maybe pay for the ingredients and say, look, I'll buy the ingredients, I'll bring them around, I'll bring a bottle of wine, just show me how you make this food. And then you can try it for yourself afterwards. Yeah, this is another benefit of having a house sit as well, because you actually have access to a kitchen. Unlike a hostel, you may not have access, you know, they might not have a kitchen, or it might not be the nicest of kitchens either, if they do have one. But we do also, when we house sit, have access to salt, pepper, oils, herbs, spices. Well, everything, normally. Yeah. That's the difference, really. If you're in a hostel, you probably just get some salt and maybe pepper if you're lucky. Whereas we actually have a requirement on our house sitting profile. It's <laughs> yeah. like, if we are taken on as your house sitters, you have to let us use all the herbs and spices that you have. It's not an option because we don't want to come to a house sit and not be able to cook anything or have to go out and buy every single herb and spice again for the sake of being here for a week or a few weeks. So yeah, it's really important. And when we stayed at this place near Glastonbury in England, uh, which is home of the, fe the famous Glastonbury Festival, we were there last month and the collection of herbs and spices and sauces they have was amazing. I was in chef heaven, seriously. They had the best soy sauce I've ever tasted in my life. Yeah, but that was another house sit that we just happened to pick up while we were in Glastonbury. And as you know, we have a discount code for trustedhousesitters.com. 15% off if you use the code 5DP at Trusted House Sitters. Mm-hmm. 
Ishi Pishi. All right, so we've got one more tip for you on our list of tips. Number three, supermarkets and malls. Now, this might sound a bit obvious, or maybe it doesn't, because we realize for most people who haven't traveled long term, when they go on holiday, they're just going to go to restaurants or whatever, right? So if you are backpacking, you may have figured out already that you should probably cook some of your own food, as we've been talking about. And in some countries, it's nice to be able to go to the local supermarket because it's actually going to be a lot cheaper. So if you're somewhere like Australia or England, then you can find budget supermarkets like Lidl's and like Aldi and there's Dia in France as well. And these are actually going to come in cheaper than going to the local market. So if you're really trying to save a lot of money and it's a place like England, which let's face it, the local produce isn't particularly exciting compared to Southeast Asia or the Mediterranean. It's fine to go to the supermarket and save yourself a fuckload of money by buying at a budget supermarket. In the Philippines, actually going to the mall for dinner was pretty standard in many cities. So you could turn up, get a local meal for under $5, get some lovely air conditioning, and sit there and have your dinner. It was, it's something that was very commonly done. And in Australia, one of the only ways to get a meal for under $5, apart from going to Macca's or some fast food crappy place, is to go to a mall. Yeah, you can normally pick up a bit of sushi, or some fresh sandwiches. Yeah. There's really loads of options. You just head to the food court and there's tons of options. Yeah, and you've got to remember as well, you want to try the local cuisine, of course. And in the malls, they do actually serve the local cuisine. And in Australia, there isn't really a local cuisine. But in somewhere like the Philippines, as we said, there really is. And you get those meals in the mall. But That's for some good ones a good in price. India too. Yeah, and in India, you can go to some malls. In some of the bigger cities, they have a mall. And so, especially if you are a little bit nervous about eating really dodgy looking street food for 50 cents, you can go to the mall and get a really nice Indian meal for $3. And it's, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. It makes it very affordable. And another secret bonus that not everyone thinks about before they start traveling is eventually, after you've been on the road for a few months, you are probably going to get a little homesick for the food that you love. Yeah. And you just can't get it in regular restaurants. I mean, maybe you can pick up a burger or a club sandwich. They seem to be everywhere. But maybe there's some specific stuff that you just won't be able to find easily. Maybe there's some cheese or whatever. Like in Vegemite. Asia, it's hard to get cheese. Vegemite. Yes, Vegemite is horrid. Vegemite, yum. I'm sure most people from America don't even know what that is. If you don't know what Vegemite is, write to us at info at fivebillaplanet.com and I will let you know in another episode if anyone gives a shit. You do not want to know what it is. Some Australian crap. But the important <laughs> thing is, is a lot of these supermarkets have international sections. So you can rock up there and get a lot of the things that you love from home. Like baked beans is a good one to find. Yeah. Yeah. You would be surprised at the amount of cheddar cheese we found in China once we went to one of the international supermarkets. You can't get the stuff anywhere else. No. But then you go into Carrefour, which is like a French branded supermarket. And they got loads of cheeses, which was awesome because we've been in China for so long and they don't put cheese on anything. Or if they do, it's that plastic burger cheese crap. Uh, it's really horrible. Not real cheese. But yeah, having those little luxuries as you travel really is awesome. Yeah, it's a good blend of getting local stuff, getting some stuff from home and saving yourself a shitload of money. Now, all right, so that was our three tips. First of all, eating street food. Second, going to the local markets and buying the local produce and cooking for yourself. And number three, actually just going to supermarkets and malls and getting the cheap produce because they will have that produce at the supermarkets as well. They will have local products and they will be at a good price. It won't just all be imported stuff. They always have local stuff as well. All right, let's move on to Story Corner. I've gone back to the sort of Camp Washington. Yeah, you keep going back to that one. I don't know why. That seems to be my default story corner voice. Actually, we're in Paris for this episode. We're not yeah. literally in Paris right now. We were in Paris before. So, uh, I think I will do the French accent. A peu peu. Uh-huh. So, this is a uh, story corner. Baguette. Uh-huh. Ah, baguette. Uh, fromage. So, Viste de week in France in a 16th century chateau. I don't think anyone would have understood what I just said. No, so let me translate. When we were in France, we actually stayed in a 16th century French chateau for 
free. Zero dollars spent. Yep, absolute zero dollars. They even left the fridge stocked up with meat and food. Yeah, and this was like right on the edge of a famous canal. It's called the Canal du Midi, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it was like at the end of the garden. Yeah, literally, you sit at the top of the garden, you got this canal at the bottom of the garden with all of the canal boats going along. Yeah. Because it was the middle of summer, it was pretty busy. There was lots of people cycling and walking, and we had two dogs there, and we used to take them out for a walk. They let us use bicycles, like the homeowner left us bicycles. So we rode up and down the canal with the dogs. And of course, we were staying in the 16th century chateau. They said, I hope you like ghosts. Yeah. That was the, on their email after they, like, they, they actually contacted us and said, would you like to come and stay in our place? And we went, sure. And it was only at the end that we found out that it was a chateau. And he said, I hope you don't mind ghosts. And I'm like, awesome. Thanks, dude. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, they've actually got a video on YouTube of their house. That's how important the house is. <laughs> he's got all these suits of armor and stuff. Yeah. And these models like you get in museum, life-size models like, of all these traditional characters around the paintings house. Paintings on the walls that follow you with their eyes. Oh, and those massive frescoes. The entire yeah. stairwell, which was giant. I mean, the stairwell at that chateau was bigger than some of the houses that we've house sat otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That stairwell was huge. And the fresco all the way around the outside, complete... 360 degree style thing going on. Yeah. Multicolors. Amazing. Yeah. Couldn't believe that we were staying in this place. But there was definitely some creaking noises and it's an old place. Yeah. So there could have been ghosts in the attic for all we knew. I don't know. There were quite a few doors that were locked and we don't know what was behind them. No, it could have been anything. But we were actually staying in the servants' quarters. Oh, of course. Which yes. was in the main house, but it was sort of like this separated room. And it was very interesting because off the servants' quarters, there were all these little corridors that actually lent, they led to back doors of yeah. other rooms. They were back door entrances so that they could just sneak in and like tend to their master and then sneak out again without like being seen. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. But you know, that's it. That's cool. It's got a lot of character. It's like a classic French chateau. Yeah. And another experience that we got to have, thanks for, you know, because we were members of trustedhousesitters.com. Yeah. Crazy. So we Crazy already experience. mentioned we got a discount code for that one, which is 5DP. But yeah, trustedhousesitters.com has been very good to us in the last year. Anyway, today we are talking about Paris, that's our feature destination, and we're going to have a chat with Laurie from the Paris blog about everything Parisian before we head on to our $5 food and fun tips, which will involve baguette. Mmm, oh, 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 baguette. Oh, baguette and uh, fromage, which is cheese in French. How knowledgeable are we? Look at you. See, it says language learning too. Don't forget to tell people that. Okay, so we're going to hand you over to our interview with Laurie, and this was recorded a little while ago, so the audio quality isn't quite as good as the rest of the show. Apologies about that. Please bear with us. My name is Laurie Pike, and I'm a raging Francophile. I've been going to Paris to live or visit on and off for about 30 years. I started as the usual junior year abroad from Cincinnati, Ohio, and fell in love with it, and kept going back to the point where I wound up buying property and living there and making really wonderful lifelong friends and becoming a quasi-Parisian, really feeling like a, a resident of the city. And so what the Paris blog became was a digest of what I consider to be the very best personal blogs about Paris. So you might read about what's happening politically in the city, what's happening in student life, certainly what's happening in the arts. One of the contributors is obsessed with ugly Paris buildings, and he writes about the ugly ones as opposed to the beautiful ones. He's actually, I have to admit, my favorite. His blog is called Paris Invisible. And people should look at the Paris blog if they're planning a trip to Paris, because it's a really great way to get an insider feel for the city without feeling like you're being sold a tour or a hotel or a rental car. So let's move on to your relationship with Paris. Why do you love Paris? Oh, God. I love Paris because of the pumping realness, which is kind of a gay community term 
for authenticity. You know, I started going there in 1982. It is now 2014, and so much of the city feels the same to me. I love the classic timelessness. I love the appreciation for quality of life and appreciation for beauty and beautiful design. And I love French people. And then we asked Laurie about her top interesting fact about Paris. There's an expression that I really love that I learned recently. And so this fact is that Montmartre is a hill. And that hill is got gypsum inside it. And so to build Paris, they went and they excavated these hills and pulled out the gypsum to make pierre, to make uh, bricks to, to build Paris. So there's an expression that there's a lot of Montmartre in Paris, but there's not a lot of Paris in Montmartre. And that expression also means that Montmartre, which was always its own distinct community, now it's a part of Paris, but it really does feel different from the rest of Paris. And of course, uh, Montmartre is the area where the Moulin Rouge is. Exactly. It's the north central part of the city. You can always find it because the Sacre Coeur is up there. So you can always see that as a beacon in the night. Have you got a favorite in that area? A little secret favorite place that tourists don't go to? Oh, I, I have a million of them. One of them is this cafe called Cafe Montsenis, which is M-O-N-T-C-E-N-I-S. Montsenis is a northwest street that actually behind Sacre Coeur kind of takes you down over to the backside of the hill. So there's a little cafe on the corner of Cafe Montsenis and Rue Colincourt, or actually Rue Custine. It turns into Rue Custine. Anyway, it's this little cafe that kind of doesn't look like anything special on the outside. Now, this area, which is called La Marque Colincourt, is, in my opinion, the most charming and authentic part of all of Paris. But this particular cafe is not like the grooviest-looking cafe on the street. However, it does have the best food at the most amazing prices. And it's just one of those neighborhood gems where often if I'm leaving Paris and I'm coming to the States to visit family, I'll always make sure I have my last coffee there before I go to the airport, and they refuse to charge me because they're like, we don't know if we're going to see you again. You're getting on the plane. <laughs> and they're just the nicest people. Also, just Rue Colincourt in general is this street that goes from Montmartre and then it kind of it curves, goes around the cemetery and takes you down into the 9th arrondissement. That is, I really believe, the best street in all of Paris. It's got vintage shops. It's got cheese shops, wine shops. There's an amazing Lebanese caterer who's got a, a business. It's about a size of a postage stamp and it's really affordable and really good food. Rue Colincourt is just a beautiful, varied, rich street. If I could go to Paris for like one half hour, I would just walk it up and down that street because it's so beautiful and authentic and warm and interesting. Laurie then goes on to tell us about one of the more unusual festivals that happens every year in Paris. Montmartre has a working vineyard, which you can go and see. Everybody says the wine is undrinkable, but that's kind of beside the point. So every October, they do the harvest. They harvest the grapes, and it's a big kind of almost a month-long festival. And there's always a theme. This year's theme was poetry. I can't remember what last year's theme was, but the neighborhood engages in all kinds of quite unusual activities. And one of them is you can get unmarried. So there's a ceremony where the mayor of the 18th arrondissement will unmarry you. So you can just grab a friend and become unmarried as opposed to becoming married. And that's just one of the activities that you kind of might not see in another part of the country that's having a wine festival. It doesn't cost anything to get unmarried. So getting unmarried is significantly cheaper than getting a divorce? Is this what we're talking about? Well, the thing is about getting unmarried is you don't get married first. You just get unmarried. <laughs> it's like having, having an unbirthday. An unbirthday. Exactly. Oh, and it's really fitting for Montmartre because being able to get unmarried in Montmartre during a wine festival is kind of a modern link to the past when the Surrealists considered Montmartre one of their homes. 
Well, hey, $5 Planet followers. This is the part of the show where we talk about our $5 foods and $5 experiences all around the world. And today's destination is Paris. Yes, a couple of months back we were in Paris, which is certainly not considered a $5 destination, but we found a way that you can have lunch with a view of the Eiffel Tower for less than $5. Sounds too good to be true? Well, listen to this. Okay, hey everyone, we are here at the Eiffel Tower in Paris, and we realized if we wanted to have a really cheap lunch, we we're going to have to get creative. Yeah, we checked out a few of the restaurants around this area, and most main meals come in pretty close to about 15 euro per person. That's not part of our $5 budget, so what we've done is we've headed to the Boulangerie, which is the French bakery, and picked up a fresh, crusty baguette. And this only cost us around about a euro. And now that we've got our crusty French bread, we are going to need something to fill it. So um, fortunately, we popped into the supermarket on the way here and picked up some cheese. Um, for just one euro, we've got a whole wheel of camembert, which is enough for two people. Yeah, so it's a great French local meal. Uh, the baguette sandwiches, you'll see them all around Paris. Instead of paying five euros per person to pick one up from a store, we're paying two or three euros to make sandwiches for both of us. And as we said, compared to paying 15 euros for a meal to sit down and look at the Eiffel Tower, you know, we're saving a fortune. Plus, I think the view here is better because we're actually on the lawn right in front of the tower. We're not in some restaurant like way away from it. And well, it wouldn't be a very French of us if we didn't have a little bit of wine with our lunch. So we also picked up a cheapy bottle of wine at the supermarket. We're gonna sit here, have our little Parisian picnic now, do keep in mind that in the main park area of the Champ de Mar, there are signs to say that you cannot drink alcohol. We are actually across the road at the Trocadera, um, quite close to the Trocadera metro stop. So we still have a fantastic view of the Eiffel Tower from here, but there just doesn't seem to be any signs saying we can't drink. So we're going to just do it. Okay, so in total, we got our bread, we got our cheese, you can get some ham if you like, and we've got wine, and that comes to about five euros for two people for lunch, because you can get a bottle of wine here for two euros or less, and some of it's actually pretty decent, even at that price. That works out as only just over six dollars for both of us for lunch in front of the Eiffel Tower. While we were in Paris, we were lucky enough to be there when it was Bastille Day, which is the French National Day. Here's a little bit more raw footage of our experiences. Okay, it's the 14th of July, we're here uh, just opposite the Eiffel Tower and you can probably hear in the background the fireworks are already going off. It's Bastille Day, this is their national day and you can come and see and join the party for free. Yeah, the streets are absolutely packed. It's only a couple of times a year that you get to see this, obviously New Year's Eve is a big one, but for Bastille Day the French are out in their proud masses. To, uh, to watch this amazing fireworks display. And of course, because it's the middle of July, it's warm. So this is better. This is better for us than coming at New Year because we're out in a t-shirt. It's amazing. And now back to our interview with Laurie from the Paris blog. Describe for us some of your favorite experiences in Paris for under $5 per person. Yeah, one of the things I love to do is to get a crepe, but to get it someplace near where a church lets out on a Sunday. So there's a Romanian Christian church in, I believe it's the Fifth Arrondissement, which is kind of the Latin Quarter student area. And one time I got a crepe. You know, you can get a savory crepe or a sweet crepe. It's definitely under five euros. They're gigantic. They definitely serve as a meal replacement. And I like to get a crepe and just find a place to sit. And when church lets out, I like to watch the people coming out of church. And the Romanian church, besides the fact that Romanian guys are unbelievably hot, they also have a really interesting way of dressing. They're all dolled up for church. The priest is wearing his funky robes. 
So that's kind of a fun experience. I mean, there's no kind of beginning, middle, or end. I mean, there is a beginning, middle, and end to your meal and to the procession of people coming out of your church, but there's no sort of academic experience. You're just kind of watching people. Hmm. So it's always fun to get just a crepe and find a place where an event is getting out. Fashion Week is also amazing. That happens in February and in September, and a lot of the fashion shows happen at the Louvre, and so you can bring a lunch and sit around and watch people in the most outrageous outfits parading around, you know, women on six-inch heels trying to walk on that gravelly dirt. Another experience that is very inexpensive that I love is there's a lot of flea markets, and they're a lot of fun. I mean, the, the Porte de Vent flea market in the 15th is, in my opinion, the best. It's much better than the one in the 18th, the Porte de Saint-Ouen or Porte de Clignancourt. Everybody knows that one, but the one in the 15th is much better in terms of quality and price. They always have little side alleys where people set up kind of illegally. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you can get real cheap stuff. You have to be careful because sometimes people steal stuff and sell it there. So you have to kind of exercise a little moral judgment. However, there's a flea market at Montreuil, which is kind of an end-of-the-line subway stop on the east side of Paris. And it's a little junky but a little bit great. It's kind of like a big outdoor 99-cent store where you can get, like, socks and lighters and household utensils and you can get all kinds of stuff if you're setting up a house or you're doing let's say you're going to Paris for two weeks and you're in a, an apartment rental and you just want candles or something for cheap you know instead of going to Ikea you can go to this little kind of ghetto flea market and everything's really cheap and of course you can haggle with the people so that's kind of fun because you're definitely not going to run into any tourists out there it is definitely locals. Next up Laurie gives us her best tips on how to get into the Paris museums on the cheap. Any kind of tour you do you got to go online and not only look online to get a ticket, because in the case of the Louvre and other places, I think the tickets are a little bit more inexpensive if you go online. You also get to skip the line when you get to the museum, which can mean an hour or two hours that you saved. But also you can open up a second browser and look for promo codes or look for discounts. You don't always have to go to the site for the museum itself to find a discount for it. Next up, Laurie gives us the lowdown on the cheapest way to eat out in Paris. Every arrondissement has places where just the working people go for lunch, and you always want to do a prefix. And prefix is uh, something that the, they don't do in other countries quite as much as in France. It is always a better deal than ordering a la carte. So I would recommend to people to get the prefix menu, even if there's one or two things on it that they don't want. Usually prefix means you get an appetizer and an entree, or an entree and dessert, or you can get all three. And you can get it for 10 euros, 11 euros, 12 euros. It's usually a good deal. And certainly in the student areas, in the 5th arrondissement and the 6th arrondissement, on the left bank, you have a lot of places, especially in the 5th, by the Arena of Paris, which is another amazing place I recommend to people. There's an authentic Roman arena in the 5th arrondissement. Around there, you have a lot of places that cater to students where you can get a fixed-price menu, like really fill yourself up with decent food for like 8 euros or 9 euros. Want to find out a little bit more about Paris? You can check out Laurie's blog. If you're planning a trip to Paris or you just want to feel like you're in Paris for the day, you should visit the Paris blog because you don't have to live there and you don't even have to plan to be going there to enjoy a sort of daily dose of what's happening in the City of Light. Travel homework. This is an easy one this week. We want you to get out there. Well, actually, get in. Get in Stay the home. kitchen. Stay home. Get in the kitchen and start getting your cooking skills raring. Yeah, not only will you save loads of money that you can start putting in your savings account rather than spending on takeaways and restaurant meals, but you'll also be honing your culinary skills ready to cook local cuisines when you do finally travel and discover travel freedom. Yeah, so jump on something like Pinterest or grab some, like, there's like Jamie Oliver and like, you know, grab some easy to do recipes and get cooking. Done. 
Thanks for listening to the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at $5planet.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments, feedback, and $5 travel tips. So tweet us at $5 Travel with the number 5. Or email info at $5planet.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the $5 Planet. Bye for now. Bye-bye.